0: From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. About a thousand new cases of cystic fibrosis are diagnosed each year, and more than 75% of those cases are diagnosed before a patient turns two years old. At this point, more than half of the population of people with cystic fibrosis, or CF, are 18 years or older. Here in the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about this progressive degenerative disease is Dr. Chris Fortner. He's a pediatric pulmonologist with expertise in cystic fibrosis at Upstate who directs the Upstate CF Care Center. Thank you for being here Dr. Fortner. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us what cystic fibrosis is?
1: What what causes it? So, that's a good question. The Cystic fibrosis, like you mentioned, it's it's a progressive genetic disease, but it's caused by inheriting two defective copies of what's called the CFTR gene. CFTR is kind of a long, it's an abbreviation for a very long cystic fibrosis transmembrane regulator. So most of us call it CFTR.
0: CFTR, okay.
1: But when that, when that gene isn't working properly, it doesn't code for the protein that it's supposed to make. And that protein is really important in... Moving salt and water across the membranes of the body.
0: So do parents know ahead of time that their baby's gonna have cystic fibrosis, or is it a surprise after birth?
1: A little of both. So they may know. You know, if they have done genetic screening of, you know, mom and dad through the OB's office, or perhaps they know there's a family history, so they request screening, they might know that there's a chance they'll have a child with cystic fibrosis. Or most of the cases are now picked up by the newborn screening program. So when a baby is born in New York, they, they send a little heel prick worth of blood to the state that tests for a number of metabolic disorders, including cystic fibrosis. So often that's, that's when they learn, when the baby is you know a couple weeks old and the results from that newborn screening come back.
0: So if the results come back positive, um, do you have to do any more testing, or is that
1: um, a, a given that it's accurate? So we always confirm the diagnosis, and the main test to do that is what's called a sweat chloride test. People with cystic fibrosis, with that protein not working properly to let salt and water move across the membranes, they end up with very salty sweat. And some parents know this because they've kissed the child's forehead, and that's weird. This kid's salty compared to his brother. So, um, but there's a a formal test that measures the amount of chloride in the sweat, and we're usually able to do that once they're about a month old. Uh, or by the time they're a month old we've got those results sort of confirming the diagnosis
0: other than sort of the salty skin are there other symptoms that the baby might have that would lead someone to think
1: it's it's possible some children have a an intestinal obstruction at birth that is caused by not having enough water in the the What's called meconium, the thick green poop mm-hmm. that babies have when they're first born, and sometimes in CF that is too thick and it actually blocks the bowel. So they may not be able to nurse properly or, um, you know, pass stool in the first hour, first 24 hours of life. And when that's going on, we're very suspicious at that point. This child might have cystic fibrosis. It's not, you know, having meconium ileus is not the only, you know, cystic fibrosis is not the only thing that will cause meconium ileus, okay. but that's one of the things that kind of makes us wonder, huh, does, does, is there a family history of CF or is there reason to think about that?
0: So cystic fibrosis, this can affect the uh, digestive tract, the, yep. the bowel. What else, uh, what else in the body does it affect?
1: So where the protein is important, we talked about the, the sweat glands and the saltiness. It's very important in the respiratory system. If you can't get enough water in the lining of your airways, the the mucus can't get coughed out. It can't get floated out. So that's one area is in the lungs and the airways. Another area is the digestive system. It also affects the pancreas to a a significant degree. Many children with CF, their pancreas doesn't work to release the digestive enzymes to break down even breast milk. And it also affects the liver, and it can also affect the reproductive system. Uh, Males with cystic fibrosis are essentially sterile because the the tube to allow the sperm to get out doesn't develop. So even before they're born, they, they don't have that, that connection in the body because it got gummed up with not enough water in it and never developed further.
0: So this is, it sounds like a pretty complicated disease with a lot of factors. It
1: that, um... it, it can be very complicated. It can affect lots of different organ systems. Part of that is learning what to watch for. You know, as, as parents are going home with a newborn, what Obviously, there's plenty to worry about. You know, am I using the right formula? Am I, you know, are they getting enough sun, sun sunshine? But the other things they have to worry about is, you know, is is this kid, you know, he just got a cold from his brother. Is this only a cold or is it something more because of the cystic fibrosis? So there's, there's a lot of things that they're kind of monitoring. I swear they monitor the, the diapers closer than most parents do. And sure. and many parents monitor those pretty yeah. closely anyway. But in CF, they're they're looking to see, does it look like they're digesting the, you know, the breast milk properly? Or is there too much fat getting released into their poop? Um, do we need to add medicines? So a lot of the parents are, are very watchful. And we try to do a good job in the, the early, the first year of teaching them what they need to know about CF, but what they need to know over time. So we don't try to hand them the whole thick book at once and say, "All right, next time there'll be a quiz."
0: Wow! So it's a big learning process, yeah. and uh, for the family, and then for the individual child once they're old enough to sort of handle their own
1: medical. Absolutely. Stuff,
0: right? Well, what what is the outlook for someone who has cystic fibrosis? What how long do they live? What, what is their life like?
1: So that's a great question, and many parents ask that. And they're like, you know, what's the life expectancy for my kid? And I try to tell them, I try to not give them a number. Not to be evasive, but because whatever number I tell them today is most likely going to be wrong because tomorrow's number is going to be better. There's a lot of research going on in cystic fibrosis, and a lot of things have already helped move the lifespan up. Uh, the the lifespan now is, you know, it's in the mid-40s. In Canada it's actually over 50 so we know that better is possible. So you know right now I if they pin me down and ask for a number, it's about 44 in this country.
0: That's a huge increase over I mean I remember when it was it's teens or young yeah. 20s right in, so in the that's... beginning
1: it was a preschool killer and wow. with better nutrition and replacing the the pancreatic enzymes, we then got it to uh, you know early childhood and then to middle school, high school. Uh, Now over half the adult, uh, half the people with CF in the world are over 18, which is really an amazing milestone. We crossed that about three or four years ago.
0: Wow. Now there was a movie that came out um, in March 2019 called Five Feet Apart um, about a girl and a boy with cystic fibrosis, a romance movie. Um, The premise, the title um, alluded to that they had to reduce the risk of infection by staying that far apart. Is there any truth? Is there a five-foot
1: rule or something? So it's it's actually supposed to be six feet between patients, and that is based on how far the droplets can spread. People with CF are prone to certain lung infections that can do a lot of damage to the lungs. Bacteria or germs that don't affect you or I or people who don't have cystic fibrosis, but they can spread from one patient to another and cause really substantial declines in lung function. So that's why we, you know, more than one CF patient comes to clinic on a day. So we're very careful to make sure that they're in different spaces and and separated from each other. Now, if there are siblings with CF, obviously we can't say take two separate cars. Right. So we, we kind of recognize that they live in the same house. They eat at the same kitchen table. You know, we can't separate every single one of them from every other. But Within a house, it's likely that they're exposed to the same types of bacteria anyway. So, but the movie did a nice job of of using CF to tell a story. And you're right; it was a it was a romance story. <laughs> but the the part about avoiding contamination or catching bacteria from other CF patients is really important.
0: This is Upstate Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Upstate Pediatric Pulmonologist Dr. Chris Fortner about cystic fibrosis. So let's talk about um, therapy and treatment. Um, Nutrition is. Does that uh, is that different for someone with CF?
1: It is absolutely different. And when they're teenagers, it can be wonderful because they can eat literally twice as much as all their friends and not gain excess weight. Um, the challenge is when they're little, they may struggle to gain sufficient weight to grow well and to grow strong. So their their calorie demands are much higher. Uh, if if they're breastfeeding, they have to take supplemental enzymes to help break down the breast milk. They often have to fortify the you know, formula or have a higher calorie density just so they can eat enough to gain weight and grow. Hmm. So that's, that's part of it. Um, they have trouble absorbing, absorbing certain vitamins uh, because the pancreas isn't working well. And so they have trouble having healthy vitamin D levels or vitamin A levels. And many of them from the beginning start on a vitamin supplement to try to overcome that.
0: And enzymes uh, to help the pancreas too? Yeah, so, so okay.
1: enzymes, those are possibly the earliest we started them was in the newborn nursery. Uh, when we know somebody yeah. beforehand had cystic fibrosis, you know, based on prenatal testing, we, we start pancreatic enzyme replacements. They're little sprinkles of beads that you open up and put on a tiny baby spoon worth of applesauce. It's not even a bite of applesauce, it's really just to keep the spoon wet so the beads stick to it. But they're taking that right before they, mm-hmm. they eat and that carries on through their whole life.
0: What about airway clearance?
1: So airway clearance is really important. I mentioned that they're prone to having this thick mucus or not enough fluid underneath the mucus to clear it out effectively. Some of our strategies are to try to thin that out um, with specific medicines like Dornase that that make the mucus not as thick or not as sticky. Others try to pull more water in. Uh, We have them inhale a concentrated saline solution to pull more water into the airways and clear stuff out. uh, a key to it is, like physically clearing it out and you know shearing it off the airway walls. And we teach parents, maybe not at the very first visit, but hopefully before the child catches their first cold, how to do manual airway clearance. And they, they cup them and do a, you know, cupping on their back over the lung fields to to shake loose the mucus that's inside their airways. And that carries forward as they get older. We have vests that vibrate and shake the mucus loose in that way, and Exercise, especially running or cardiovascular exercise, do, does a wonderful job of loosening that mucus and helping them cough it out. Well, I wanted to ask about fitness and whether there's limitations, but you make a good point. It,
0: it, that can be helpful. Yeah, for...
1: and you know, hopefully these are not sick people. Um, they they do so well, like exercise is a two-way street you know they, they feel better from a lung standpoint but they also feel better emotionally and there's you know we have cf patients that are runners we have cyclists we have competitive skiers lacrosse players we we really encourage physical activity as, as a way to maintain health same as my doctor does and you know encourages me to get out and exercise 30 minutes a day it's extra important for cf to to get that exercise time
0: now, since this is a genetic, uh, com- has a genetic disease, is there a hope for a cure? Uh, I mean, do you think there'll be something that comes along in your lifetime that, that turns this disease around or cures it?
1: Yeah, very, very soon, I hope. Um, they're, they're doing a ton of research on CF and have been for years. You know, The, the whole mission of the, the CF Foundation, when it was founded, um, which is a, a charitable organization fundraising, but they dedicate their efforts into research. And that's how we end up with you know, specific therapies like enzyme replacement or Dornase. Or, um, but now they're looking at things that may end up maybe not a one-time cure. You know, take this and you won't have CF or take this and your baby won't have CF. But they are very close to some compounds that help the protein. Instead of not forming and working correctly, it kind of works past the mutation or works around the mutation. So they end up making a protein, a CF protein that works well enough well enough to let the salt and water travel across where it needs to travel in the body, well enough that they may not have a daily cough or mucus buildup that they have to clear out. So there's really exciting stuff going on. They're even studying some some gene therapy approaches. These are further down the road. You know, we're not looking at a next few years kind mm-hmm. of thing, but they are studying can we have people get just the, the message for how to make the protein. Can we give that to their cells so that, even though they got two mutations from their parents, they, they take in this, this extra message and the body uses that to make a, a working protein. So there's some really cool ideas out there. Probably the most close or closest to exciting is the, there's a, a company that's developed a, a triple therapy uh, that is about to be submitted to the FDA for approval. They're doing phase three trials right now. And this triple therapy has three ingredients, two of which help overcome a folding problem with the protein, so that it'll fold into the right shape. And the third ingredient, once the once the protein gets to the top of the cells where it belongs, it helps open it up to let the salt and water flow across it. So there's three ingredients in one pill, but they've, they've seen very impressive improvements, not just in lung function or drop in sweat chloride, but how people feel when they're on this therapy.
0: So that uh, helps the protein... Work the way it should.
1: Exactly. Basically. And
0: Wow. So that would make this a lot more
1: manageable disease. It could completely change my job, and that would be wonderful. Um, because if, if the protein is working properly, perhaps these, these infections won't even be able to take hold, just like they don't take hold for people who don't have CF. Or perhaps it'll be easier for them to gain weight or maintain weight at a healthy level.
0: Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information. My, my guest, pleasure. my guest has been Upstate uh, Dr. Chris Fortner. He's a pediatric pulmonologist and an expert in cystic fibrosis who directs the Cystic Fibrosis Care Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show Health Link on air.